we are continuing our series uh, called Your Part Matters uh, this week. Uh, during the, the first week, I cautioned all of us to make sure that the different parts that we play around here, our roles, our tasks that we accomplish, the work that we do for the church, that it's not for the sake of showiness. It's not for our own praise. That everything that we do is supposed to be to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. Uh, last week, I was out of town and Weston took the reins and he went into detail about us being willing to do our part and how that's largely rooted in how we answer the question, do we believe the things that we actually say and preach? Um, I, I really think that this series is so important for the future of our church. And there's something about Januaries and New Year's as they roll around that make us start thinking about the coming year. There's always like this chance to do a reset. There's this chance to, to be different. And, and maybe it's not this series specifically that's so important, but this idea of us all being willing to do our part, whatever that part is, I think is vital to us moving forward in 2020 and beyond. Because here's the truth of the matter. We can have the nicest sanctuary. We can have the coolest kids area. We can have the hottest coffee. But if we don't have a broad spectrum of people all working towards the same goals, it's not going to matter. It's not going to make a difference. At the end of the day, the most important commodity, the most important asset that any church has is still the willingness of its people to roll up their sleeves and to do what needs to be done for the sake of the kingdom. That's still the most important aspect of any church actually accomplishing anything. One thing that I'm really fascinated by is the inner working of clocks, the, the mechanics of clocks, and you've probably seen it before. You've seen like the inside of one with all the gears that fit together just right, and they all turn. When one turns, they all turned. And I tried to find a video on YouTube to show you that talked about how the inside of a clock worked together. What I found out though is that while I'm interested in that, a YouTube video about the inner workings of the clock is maybe the most boring thing in the world to watch on the internet. And so I spared you for that. Uh, but if you were to even look at the artwork for the sermon series, I think we have that up there uh, on the logo. Uh, you, you can see like this idea of the gears and all the parts kind of working together. And if you were to look in the inside of a clock or a watch or anything else, some gears and some parts are bigger than other parts. They turn faster or, or they look like they are uh, or they're shinier, it catches your eye. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, if even the tiniest part, the tiniest gear, the tiniest mechanism isn't functioning like it's supposed to, the entire process stops. The entire thing grinds to a halt. A grain of sand that stops the smallest gear from turning stops the entire clock from moving. And yet clock videos on YouTube were super boring, even for me. But you know what's more fun to watch? 
something called a Rube Goldberg machine. How many of you know what a Rube Goldberg machine is? Several of you. Okay. Uh, you may know it as just a, a chain reaction machine where one thing hits another thing and it causes it to go here. And, and there are videos and videos of these machines. Some of them last for 10 minutes of these intricate just chain reaction videos. Uh, Honda actually made a commercial uh, when they made a Rube Goldberg machine out of different parts, actually entirely out of parts of a Honda vehicle. Uh, and I actually wanted us to watch that because it's this idea of a Rube Goldberg machine that I think that, that you'll maybe understand it a little better. And it's really cool. So let's watch it. Isn't it nice when things just work? Uh, that video is brought to you by Roper Honda. They're sponsoring our sermon today. No, but this, this ad, and I love, there are so many Rube Goldberg uh, videos, and I'm fascinated by all of them. Uh, the dominoes is kind of, you know, when people do big domino designs, that's kind of a Rube Goldberg thing. But the truth of the matter is the, the type of machine that, that Honda made there is not that different than the inner working of a clock in that every single component has to do its job, right? If, if one part of that entire process was one sixteenth of an inch off of its mark, the entire thing stopped. In fact, Filming for this, this was actually not computer done. Uh, the part that blew my mind was the tires going uphill. Turns out there was off-balance weights in the, the tire that whenever they were loosened, the weights. So anyway, that, that was something I had to look up for my own sanity. But uh, filming for that took four straight days. And if anyone, who wants to guess how many tries it took for them to get the shot? Anyone want to guess? All right, the correct answer is 606. 
606 takes is what it took for them to get that right. Why did it take that many? Because every little part mattered. Every single little part mattered. Any big machine is made up of important smaller parts of that machine. And any organization, business, anything is made up of smaller parts. And any church is made up of smaller but important ministries, boards, roles, tasks. And all of those are individually made up of specific individuals willing to do stuff. Every last one of them vital to what we do as a church. The church is made up of a bunch of parts, but the thing that separates us from the inner workings of a clock is that the people in the church doing things are not just warm bodies that are put there to do a function, okay? In the church, you are not just a replaceable cog in a clock. Scripture tells us that every person has been designed special. Every person has been designed uniquely and has been given, every person has been given unique gifts and talents in order to serve the church. Paul lists in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 a whole bunch of giftings that different people might possess for serving the kingdom of God, for serving in the church. And I'm gonna read this together and it's kind of a long uh, passage and it's full of specific jobs and specific details, but I think that that bogs us down a little bit. The important part of this scripture is not the specific jobs. It's not the details. I actually don't think that Paul was trying to create an exhaustive list uh, to be parsed and studied to see which of the gifts that he mentioned uh, fits you exactly. I think the main point, the better point, the bigger point is that there's a variety of work to be done. There is a variety of gifts that are out there. There's a variety of talents or interests that we all have and that it's all needed, that it's all important and that you can do something. Whatever it is, you can do something. So I want you to listen for that as we read this together. It's gonna to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. Uh, it's, it's time to stretch our legs again anyway. I like to keep you awake, so stand with me. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to start in verse 4. And this is what we read. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I did not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And I dramatically paused for that one. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Most of you may be seated. I think maybe the most important part of that passage is the first verse that we read. There's a few lines there where it basically says, there are all different kinds of gifts, but it's the same God who distributes those gifts to us. We can be very different and yet still be gifted by the same God. And he gives a long list. He says, you know, these gifts can include miraculous gifts like prophecy, healing, tongues, he, he talks about, hey, there are some enabling gifts like teaching and, and giving wisdom and having faith even. If you flip over to Romans 12, you're going to read of gifts that, uh, there's gifts of encouragement. There's gifts of administration. It even talks about giving being a gift that some people have, the gift of mercy. And like I said, I don't think that this is supposed to be an exhaustive list. In fact, I could just kind of start picking out people in our congregation and I could start listing the different gifts and talents that have been given just to our church people and last all day long. And I've heard a million different sermons on these passages and most of them revolve around the specific gifts and how these specific gifts are so uniquely special. And I'm afraid that might miss the overall point. Because the point of this is that there are lots of gifts, lots of different gifts, enough to where we can all find something within us from which we can contribute to the larger work of God, the larger work of the kingdom, the larger work of the church. See, these gifts and talents, interests, passions that we've been given, they aren't just arbitrary. They're not just random. They fit together within the makeup of who we are as a church. The gifts that we are given individually support the bigger picture of what we're about as a church. Your gifts, no matter what they are, how big or small you consider them, are there to further the goals of the overall church. 
a few years back when I was living in Alabama, I went on a trip to, to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, and I went with a bunch of pastors and we did a lot of different work. But while I was there, we were also preaching in different churches all around the city, uh, mostly in slums. Uh, and let me tell you, if you think that my jokes fail now, add a different language and a translator to the mix and I am just failing left and right, okay? But I was at one particular church and it was in a, a poor part of town, which is most of it. And I was meeting a lot of the members afterwards and, and I noticed that kind of in the back, there was this sickly old lady in a wheelchair who I assumed had to be about as old as Brazil itself. It, she may have been uh, like the like her name may have been Brazil. She may have been named after her for all I know. Okay, but I was talking to the pastor and he was telling me that they had set out this goal for the year where they were going to meet with and have a conversation with every person within a certain radius of their church. And they're in the middle of this very populated area. And if you've ever seen kind of South American villages and cities, especially the larger cities, I mean, it is just houses on top of one another for as far as you can see. So it's a big job. And these people did not have cars. They were walking everywhere. Uh, and the pastor in the middle of him telling me about this and the success that they'd had, he points at the old lady in the wheelchair and he says, you know what, she's the most important member of our team. And I'm confused by this because she looks like she's 180, okay? She really does. It's clear that she's not walking door to door anywhere. And I'm confused how a wheelchair-bound lady could be the MVP of the neighborhood canvassing team. And so I ask, what do you mean by that? How? Why? Turns out this lady bakes the best bread in all of South America. And she has a reputation for it. And everybody around there knows her for her bread. And so what she does is she bakes bread and brings it to church for able-bodied people to take door to door and to meet people with. So every single time they have a service, she comes with these loaves of bread to give to the younger folks who can go and do this. And people know her for her bread. And so when they see that her bread is at the door, they open it up. The pastor says that every day her bread literally opens doors for their church that would have never been open to them otherwise. The task that everyone saw on the outside, the people going door to door the people going out and meeting people, the pastor preaching whenever visitors show up to their church, the task that made it all possible, this old lady baking bread at home. She had a unique gift, but she figured out how to make it work within the overall framework and goals of the church. You know, baking bread doesn't seem like a spiritual gift, but God can sanctify it and use it for the purposes of his church. You see, our gifts are not really for us. Our gifts are for use in the body of Christ to expand the kingdom of God around us. And I love the story of the bread lady in Brazil, but the fact of the matter is that we have similar stories here in our congregation. I'm going to embarrass some of you, all right? Charlotte who would rather be stung by bees than have me mention her like this in a sermon, okay? She crochets these prayer shawls, and, and, and she knows when people are going through difficult times because she listens during prayer time, 
And she creates these and gives them to people so that they know that someone cares for them and she wants them to have a reminder that God is there with them, that their church supports them. Some of you in this room have received those prayer shawls from Charlotte. And you know what? It fits beautifully within the framework and the larger goals of our church because I want us to be a church that takes care of people going through difficult times. Crocheting a prayer shawl isn't listed by Paul, but it has been sanctified to fit into the larger goals of our church. We have a small army of talented guitar players, Jim, Frank, Kevin, Logan, and they give free guitar lessons here at our church through our Guitars for God program to anyone who wants them. Paul did not list guitar playing as a gift in Corinthians, but it is one, and they're using it within the framework of our church's goals because one of our goals is to reach further into our community and to meet people that we might not meet through normal, quote-unquote, types of ministry. I think about Jim Hebert, who's able to drive the van and these routes to get every kid that wants to be here at this church to our church. But that's not the actual uh, talent. I think the real talent of him is that he has the ability to do that without having thrown a child out of a moving car window yet. And that is a gift, I think. Amen? He's using that ability for the sake of the lost. God bless him. Some of you have these kind of personalities that I am jealous of, where you can just walk up to a stranger anywhere on earth and have the most natural and comfortable conversation in the world. I am not one of those people, and I admire you. I am awkward when it comes to just creating a conversation out of thin air. I'm terrible at it. Uh, More times than not, I walk away from conversations thinking, well, that's the last time I'll ever talk to them. (laughs) They're not going to want any more of this. Uh, But some of you are not like that. Some of you take it upon yourselves to introduce yourselves to visitors, to make them feel welcome, or to call and to talk to people who maybe you haven't seen in a little while, or people who need a willing ear or encouragement. That is a gift that you have been giving that you are using to further the church. Some of you are prayer warriors, and the best thing that you do for our church won't ever be seen by me or anyone else. But God bless you. Don't stop as you support the church in that way. A lot of you have been willing to do things around here for free. Electrical work, all sorts of stuff from free here lately. Some of you are willing to put in lots of free hours to make beautiful concrete countertops for our foyer. Some of you organize lunches and cook meals for funerals, weddings, and everything in between. There's even, there's even Dennis Olson back there, unsuspecting, who's not good at a single thing that we can think of. But we even let him pass the plates so he can feel included too. If we can use him, we can use anyone, guys. We really can. I didn't want amen. I got an amen over here somewhere. First one in weeks. We both got burned there, Dennis. All right. My point is, it's all important. It's all important. And we have more. Um, You know, someone else who doesn't want me to mention them, like everybody else. Phil York is as knowledgeable a teacher as you will find in our district. And I'm including pastors in that list. We're lucky to have them. And Phil knows that I appreciate him. I, I hope he does, at least. But here's a point. I don't need a church full of Phil's. I love Phil. I'm glad I have him. I don't want a church just full of him. That sounds worse than I meant it. (laughs) Weston. 
relates to our teenagers in a way that a lot of us may not think that we're able to, but I don't need a church full of Westons. I preach a little bit here and there, do a couple other things. You don't need a church full of Pastor Wes's. We need a church with one of me. We need a church with one of Weston. We need a church with one of Phil. We need a church with one of Ruth Ann. We need a church with one of Jim, with one of Kevin, with one Phil, with one Amy, with one Mary, with one Eileen, with one Luann, with one Frank, with one Jennifer. We need a church with one of everything that we've got, one of all of you, willing to use whatever God has equipped you with to serve his church and his kingdom. My point is this. You have something valuable to offer. And if you don't use the gifts that you have to help us grow the kingdom of God, you are keeping us from being the church that we can be. I don't care if you're 15 years old or 50 years old or 150 years old. We need you. We need you in 2020. You are uniquely gifted. You are uniquely created. And you need to use those gifts for the one who gave the gifts to you. And so what I would love for this week, a little bit of homework. I want you to go home and I want you to really spend some time thinking and praying about God has equipped you a little differently than every other person in our church. Your interests are a little bit different than mine are. Your talents are a little bit different than mine are. And everybody else here, you are created just to be you for a specific reason. And the thing I want you to think about is why did God create you the way that he did specifically? Why did he equip you exactly the way that he equipped you? What might he want you to do with the passions, the interests, the talents, the gifts, the personality that he has given you? Because when we do this right, every person in this room should make up a giant Rube Goldberg machine. We really should. It takes the one who greets. It takes the one who makes the coffee. It takes the one who prints the bulletin. The one who takes care of the nursery. The one who takes it upon themselves to invite someone to lunch. It takes the one who preaches, the one who sings, the one who makes someone feel welcome, the one who break, I'm sorry, the one who bakes the bread and the one who delivers them. It takes all of them working together to push us towards our goal. As kind of a pet peeve, and it's not a problem here, at least not so far. Having a pastor busting his tail to do everything at the church is a recipe for a new pastor every two to three years. Having even a staff of ministry leaders who do everything in the church is a recipe for high turnover and them getting burned out. If what we do is going to be sustainable, it has to be this Rube Goldberg machine where we know that if one of us doesn't do our job, all of us feel the loss. Do you remember the passage I did a dramatic pause on? If one of you suffers, all of us suffer. In the same way, if one of us fails to use our gifting, all of us will be affected negatively by that. We are this Rube Goldberg machine where we need each other, where we are affected by each other in both good and bad ways. So I want you to know this as we draw to the close. You are gifted even if you don't know it. 
You have been created specifically to be you with your interests, your passions, the things that you like, the things that you're good at, the spiritual gifts, even the big things that we're talking about. Even if you don't know it, you are gifted. And if you don't know exactly what it is that makes you unique or what your strengths might be, I can help you. Okay. In fact, I think that you can make an argument that that's maybe the most important thing that a pastor could do. It might be more important than preaching well or running good meetings or marrying and burying you off. You know, more important than that, I think, might be helping you find and use your strengths for the overall goals of the kingdom. Because the truth is, pastors come and go. But you guys will carry this torch. And God willing, the work that we start will outlast all of us. We want that to be the result. So if you are struggling with where your strengths are or what makes you unique, come to me and we'll have a talk. I have some resources. I have access to some different tests and online uh, you know, surveys, things like that. There are spiritual gifts tests that I have. There are Myers-Briggs personality tests because that stuff matters with where you fit the best. There is the strength finder test. There's those Enneagram tests. I mean, there are a lot of paths to kind of self-discovery so we can see just where it is that you fit. Uh, we will dive in and we'll see how God created you uniquely and go from there. But I want you to be a part of what we're doing. I'd be happy to do that. One of the saddest and most frustrating things in a church is a congregation of 100 where 30 people do the work and 70 people watch. That is depressing. Let's get 100% involvement Let's get 100% enthusiasm. Let's get 100% people here wanting to see lost souls added to the kingdom daily and willing to put in the work to make that happen. You remember that Honda ad? All the moving parts and it taking 600 takes to get it right? Here's the scary part. When it comes to the lost coming through that door or even us going out to them, we don't get 600 takes. We don't get 600 tries. Usually, we get one chance. Every lost person we come in contact with, we usually get one chance, and that's it. Don't be the part that doesn't work and keeps our one chance from being successful. Don't be the one part that doesn't do your part. And because of that, the end result never comes to fruition. The stakes are just too high in a world that is lost and broken and on its way to hell. We cannot afford to sit on our hands in church. We cannot afford to watch everybody else. We cannot afford to just depend on paid staff. We cannot afford to do this. Why? because your part matters. Stand with me and let's close in prayer.